Voyage. Wow. You just set all this up? For important operations, we have to move fast. Blake, got a text from Omar. Dr. Mitchell's downstairs. You got it? Rainey nodded and took off down the hall. Apparently, they had to pick him up from his hotel room because it was so late. Hey, you want a coffee? Is it okay if I have a coffee? What do you mean? It won't mess with the procedure? It's not surgery. No, no. Just an experimental fluid that's going to be coursing through my veins. He put his hand on my shoulder and gave me a sincere smile. You don't understand how much this could help us. Well, I hope it works. Us too. Come on. Blake led me to a small break room. As Blake poured two cups of coffee, I watched the hustle and bustle outside the room. I hadn't seen anything like this outside of a few crime shows. Here you are. Drink up. They should be here any minute. He motioned to the sugar, but I shook my head. Black was fine. What about your friend? Kirby? Yeah. He doesn't want to be here for this? Oh, don't worry. He'll be here. And as if I had summoned him, Agent Kirby and his partner walked up. He tapped the window and motioned for us to come out. Here we go. Rainey said he's ready. Blake looked over at me as I sipped my coffee. My heart was racing. Ready? I wanted to say something, but instead I just nervously nodded. You are one healthy individual, Miss Saunders. Well, I hope so. I'm training for the upcoming marathon. That would explain it. Dr. Mitchell was a thin, clean-shaven older man. He held a clipboard up and examined his notes. Okay. Okay. Good. Can we hurry this up? Joe, relax. We're in a time crunch. Yes, I'm sure the fellas here explained how important this is. They said I was here to... help? Blake smirked. Yes. To help. I was lying on a cold metal table, in a small room with nothing but two chairs, table, laptop, camera, and tall corner light. The air vent above was blowing cold air directly into my face. I shivered. As I mentioned before, this will be quite simple and we'll be watching over you the whole time. Dr. Mitchell had already given me a rundown before checking my weight, blood pressure, and eyes and mouth. My blood pressure was a little high because of the coffee, which Blake quickly apologized for. So, if you guys are going to be here, are the straps necessary? It's a precaution. They had two straps around my arms. They weren't tight, but they kept me in place. That way you don't move too much. The biggest thing is we don't want you making any sudden movements that may disrupt the flow, so try to relax. I was a little more relaxed before the straps were placed. They're for your safety. Need us to loosen them a bit? No. No. I'm fine. Blake smiled warmly. All of this had me on edge, and while Kirby was cold and the doctor indifferent, at least Blake here provided some kind of comfort. He seemed like he actually cared about my well-being. Okay, let's begin. I took a deep breath and tried to relax. It'll be quick and you won't feel a thing. Promise. Okay. He bent down and stuck the needle into my arm. <laughs> See? See? Easy. It was instantaneous. The warm liquid coursed through my veins. Mm. Dr. Mitchell said it would be like falling asleep, but it wasn't. Or at least it didn't feel like that. Wait, was I asleep now? A bright flash. I saw myself jogging along the Ashley River. Bright colors zoomed by until I stopped running. I stopped to see the smoke that billowed over the city. The beginning. 
More bright colors. And then my phone call with Andy. Mom, I'm coming home to visit. I need a break. She was on the phone, but also standing right in front of me. Her body began to distort like a funhouse mirror. Mom, you there? Andy was nothing more than a blob, slowly melting away into the whiteness behind her. Another flash. I was in a void now. A white void that quickly darkened. The darkness enveloping me. Where were the colors? Where was... I was in the food mart now. Hello there, Jess. Brings you back today. Mr. Newton was changing the bulb. It flashed neon greens and blues. I watched myself as I talked to Mr. Newton, who was nothing but a dark, shadowy figure now. My focus changing to the brightly lit aisle before me. I walked down it, toward the only door. I was outside now? Yes, there I was, hunched behind the dumpster. Alexi, my friend, being yelled at by his uncle and the other man. Yet, yet, Mr. Newton period magazine. But what was Alexei doing? What were they forcing him to do? Wait, could I? Could I understand what they were saying? And you know what we have to do. Their language had changed. No longer Russian. You're a part of this? I left my body behind and floated towards the men. Both Alexei's uncle and his uncle's friend were in Alexei's face, threatening him. I moved ever closer, listening intently as the world around them became fuzzy, then washed out. It was only these three men now, standing in a white void. My ghostly body floating around them, listening to their every word. What's going on? Is it working? Looks like it. How can you tell? It takes time. Just convulsed. What the hell was that? That's common. It's why we have her secured. She thrashed twice more, then relaxed. I don't know, Doc. I don't like this. Give it time. Look at her eyelids. She's fine. How the hell do you know? But he just shrugged. It doesn't matter. She has to do this. We need to know everything we can. What Cho said may have been accurate, but it wouldn't hurt him to show some compassion. Uh, what the hell? Did she... Did she just speak Russian? I, uh, believe so. Does she know Russian? <laughs> what do you think, Joe? Mr. Newton? Did she say Mr. Newton? Doc, what is this? She's recalling the incident. Sure, yeah, but speaking Russian? We've never seen this before. Zabudjata, onas net nayata vrimani. Pajalsta, yani kratuni priatnesti. Mojum limistilitet of drogo vrime. Come on, come on. What are you doing? Can't find my damn phone. We need to record this. There's a camera in the room. Rainy's on the other side. For a split second there, I felt I caught a glimpse of embarrassment on Joe's face. But it quickly disappeared as he went searching through his pockets again. Drogo varaza nu budjet. No. Te diele sheta, Alexi. Ilia soidvat vaya kretidali budjet tai kimja kakvete strenya. I couldn't believe this. I stood there in awe as Dr. Mitchell took notes. 
She continued to talk as if holding a heated conversation with herself, all in Russian. Blake, you better hope that camera stays online. Rainy just sent me a text. Everything's good. She's already running some of the conversation through a translator. It better be useful. Or what? <laughs> Jess convulsed again. I, I didn't know this. I thought you just smuggled contraband. I didn't know you were planning to destroy the country. What? I couldn't believe it. What was Alexei mixed up in? They have caused so much pain and suffering. I know you've lost a lot, Uncle. I know about your brother. It's your family, too. Pavel was now searching the area. He walked by the bottle that had rolled under the dumpster. My mistake. But still I floated there, listening to the conversation. Understanding it all. I'm warning you, Alexei. Do not mess this up for us. Please. It won't just be you at stake. Think of your fiancé. As Pavel made his way back over to the other two, I saw myself quickly rush back into the mart. So we will be in touch. You do as Pavel says for now. Don't screw this up for us, Alexei. You hear me? When the door to the mart shut, there were more flashes. I saw Alexei in my home. I struggled to breathe and free myself from his grip. Then I ran through a void to my neighbor's house. I saw city lights streaking against the night sky. Agents and gunfire. I drove fast, crashing. Oh, pain. The hospital. The whiteness enveloped me. It was so bright. Everything was so bright. I thought you said she was done. I believe she is. It should be wearing off. Sure, but is it? Doc? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's wearing off. How is she? She's coming too. But she didn't come too. At least, not for very long. Her eyes fluttered open a bit. She muttered something, mentioning her daughter's name and then fell back asleep. Mom? My eyes were crusted over with sleep. I rubbed my eyes, then forced them open. <sighs> Andy? The room was bright and cold, but I wasn't laying on a hard table anymore. I was in a bed. Oh good, it's about time. What? Where are we? The hotel. They brought you here last night. I had a quick look around. The lavish room consisted of two queen-size beds, a TV behind Andy, a couch, several chairs, a counter with coffee maker and fridge, and a large windowed balcony overlooking the water. We've never stayed in a suite before. What time is it? Almost one. Almost one? I've been asleep for 12 hours? Well, no. You were awake when they brought you here, but I think you were out of it. They said it might be a while for whatever it was to wear off. Damn. I was really worried about you even though they said not to be. They just dropped me off and left? pulled my legs from under the sheets and hung them over the side of the bed. Ugh, my mind was fuzzy. The one guy stayed. What one guy? I think his name was... Blake? He wanted to make sure you were okay. And I couldn't sleep right away, so he kept me company. But when I told him I wanted to go to bed, he left. Uh, he told me to tell you to call him. I put his number in your phone. Uh, okay. What's going on, Mom? He didn't say anything? He said he couldn't say much. That's probably for the best. But she just pouted and then jumped up from her bed. Oh, look at you. You look awful. What did you get involved in? They grabbed me, you know, against my will from the house. 
Then they brought me here. They even took my phone. I'm sorry, Andy. Things have been crazy. Yeah, but why? What the hell is all this? <sighs> I was a little wobbly as I stood. I waited a moment until I felt steady enough and then made my way to the window. I looked out at a coastal street, docks and sailboats. Mom! What? Andy! <sighs> Sorry, what did you ask? What's going on? What are you involved in? <sighs> And I think the best line of sight will be from these two buildings here. They're too far. No, we position four men on the rooftops and then the rest take street level. We need cover. We'll be going in with three teams. That won't supply cover. I was standing over a map with Rainy, Kirby, and Mina. We tracked one of the locations that Jess had muttered in her sleep. An old office building across the street from the Madison Center. I just don't buy this. Where would they store the missile? This place is missing walls. She mentioned it under the influence of the serum. Have we heard back from surveillance? Not yet. You think we get approval for the raid? The chief will be here shortly. We need to make a case. Well, we don't have a lot of time and no more leads. He's going to need more, Blake. The problem was I wanted to involve Jess. If she accompanied us, she could ID Leonid. But Kirby and Mina disapproved. Joe didn't trust Jess, and for some reason Mina didn't either. So, what do we do? How do we convince the chief? We do what I've wanted to do since the beginning. I got it. It's probably Buster. Buster was the name Andy had given to the guard the TNTF had placed outside our room. She called him Buster after our cat she once found roaming around outside our house. Oh, uh, hi. Hello. How's Jess? She awake now? Andy didn't answer. She just stepped back to reveal me, sitting on the bed, drinking coffee, watching the news. Glad to see you're finally up. I was out for 12 hours. Yes, well, you obviously needed the rest. We weren't sure if it was due to the serum or the fact that you had one hell of an eventful day. I have a headache, too. That might be due to the serum. He took a seat on the couch and leaned forward. Other than the headache, how do you feel? Sore. <laughs> I don't doubt it. So, what brings you back here? Didn't your daughter tell you? I've been checking up on you. I heard. That's very kind. It's the least we at the TNTF could do. You've helped us out tremendously. But his smile quickly faded. Where's Richardson? Richardson? Buster. Oh, he went to get his food. Not much of a guard if he leaves you unattended, huh? But, uh, well, I was here to ask if you'd like to go get lunch. Lunch? I just woke up. Sorry, breakfast. We're allowed to leave? Well, it'd be in the hotel restaurant, and I was hoping it would be just us. Andy rolled her eyes, then smirked as she plopped down on the other bed. Something tells me this isn't a date. Sadly, no. I don't think I can do that. I figured you may say that, and I'm really sorry to even ask. We have a good feeling where they are. Sorry, but I have my daughter to think about. I understand. And I've already done your little flashback serum. And we appreciate that. It helped us locate them, at least we think. We're going to try to go ahead with the raid tonight. Hopefully Leon it'll be there whether we know it's him or not. I know what you're doing. I'm not doing anything. I just came down here to ask. Any word on Alexi? Nothing new, I'm afraid. We've assigned two agents to him. You guys are really paranoid, you know? In my line of work, we don't have the luxury not to be. He took a sip of his drink and smirked. And I figured even if you said no, I'd like to come down here and thank you personally for your prior help. 
Sometimes us agents can be very dismissive and or insensitive to others when we have a goal to achieve. Like when using people to get information. It's why I'm here thanking you. And why Agent Kirby is not. I pride myself in being Joe's complete opposite. <laughs> I was about to finally take another bite of my eggs, but stopped myself. I locked eyes with Blake. Andy told me you stayed for several hours after dropping me off. I did. Did you sleep at all? No. Time is short. I can't sleep till we catch Leonid. I actually felt bad now. I saw the commotion in the offices yesterday. I couldn't imagine what it was like in his line of work. Blake? Yeah. Oh, man. Andy was not going to be happy about this. You said yes? But why? Because, Andy, I'm the only one who can help. They need me. And what about me? I need you! Please don't do that. This is just like you! What are you talking about? You know. That's not fair, Andy. Yeah, right. You're always the victim. Just like with Dad. Wow. It's true. You blame me. She didn't say anything, but she didn't have to. She didn't understand the whole situation between her father and me. It's more complicated than that. It always is. This is way different, and I know you know that. You should have just made an anonymous call. I realize that too. Now. But things were hectic then, and I was scared. It's crazy, though. What? That they want you to go on this raid. Yeah. They can't make you do this, right? No. We live in a free country. Then don't go. I wouldn't be able to live with myself if people got hurt. I have the ability to help right now, and that's what I want to do. But mom... I went up and touched her cheek. Don't worry, hon. Blake assured me I would be in good hands. His? I'll be safe, Andy, I promise. And it sure did look like I would be in good hands. Every member of the task force carried two weapons, tactical gear, headsets, and looked like they were ready to take over a small city. We were in a garage next to the TNTF offices. It was super hectic, but Blake made an effort to stick close to me. Thank you. <laughs> For what? For not leaving me alone in here. I feel like I'm in the way. You are our most prized asset right now. I can assure you you're not in the way. But then, Blake locked eyes with Agent Kirby, who was by a black armored vehicle adjusting his helmet. He made it known earlier that he didn't trust me. He didn't want me involved because for some reason he thought I would compromise the mission. Don't worry about him, okay? The chief has already given the go-ahead. Is that him there? There were nearly 40 people involved in this operation. Blake had introduced me to a ton of them, but not the chief. Yes, and I'd like to introduce you to Chief Connors, but now might not be the best time. Wait, Connors? That's right, serving our country runs in the family. But while I may call him uncle in private around the offices, it's Chief of Operations. He'll be overseeing the raid from here tonight. Just then Kirby came up, looking heated. I talked to the Chief. And? She's your responsibility tonight. I'm well aware, Joe. He huffed and walked off, readjusting his helmet as he went. Ah, no wonder why you're staying so close to me. You know, I didn't want any of this. I know. The problem is Alexi is still out, and Food Mart lacks working cameras. The only way to ID Leonid is for you to do it. But with you going on a raid... He thinks I'll jeopardize the mission? It's why the Chief has me sitting back on this one. 
I'm sorry. Don't be, but there is one more thing I have to have you do. What's that? He motioned to Rainy, who was standing behind me. Sorry, Miss Saunders, but I have orders to make sure you're clean. Seriously? It'll make Kirby and everyone else a tad more comfortable. Doctor, was nistala? Everyone fell silent and turned their attention to me. What just happened? Jess, what did you just say? I said, then by all means, go ahead. Why? I knew it! I turned around to see Agent Kirby scowling at me. I just spoke Russian, didn't I? Rainy bit her lip as her and Blake shared a look of concern. I wanted to say something, but instead remained quiet while she quickly patted me down. I sat between Blake and Agent Rainey. There were several other task members in the large mobile command unit. I felt so underdressed in my shirt and jeans, although Rainey did set me up with a bulletproof vest, just in case. I nervously rubbed my sweaty hands together. I couldn't believe I spoke Russian and didn't even realize. It just came out so naturally. Hey, you okay? Yeah, just nervous. You'll be fine. It was dark by the time we reached our destination. Okay, first responder team, stay back. Red team, get in position. Let's move. Rainy was leading red team. There were still three men, first responders in the vehicle, along with the driver, me, and Blake. Blake jumped to the other side of the command unit and pulled out a keyboard tray. He looked up at a row of six monitors. No one said a word as he jumped on the comm. I watched the screens. Each task force leader and second in command had a camera attached to their helmets which displayed green night vision images of the abandoned office building. The whole area was quiet. This doesn't seem right. Blake shook his head and rubbed his chin. Banks, take lead. That must have been Agent Chris Banks, who I met earlier in the garage. He was a young, clean-shaven kid from Brooklyn. All right, blue team move in. Blue team's in, red team move up. I watched the screen that read C Banks on the bottom. This was Banks' feed. The images showed a dark lobby, then a hallway. After about two minutes of empty offices and bathrooms, the image fixated on a wall of chipped paint. First floor is clear. Proceed to second floor. Red team move inside, yellow team secure perimeter. Every screen showed a different area of the building. I focused on Banks's feet again, since he was leading the charge. He was walking upstairs now. Eventually, he was in a hallway, crossed over a broken bit of wall, and entered a large conference room. The rundown room was filled with several tables, standing lights, boxes, crates, and papers. Sir, I think we found something here. Proceed with caution. More members of Blue Team came into view on Chris's feed. Oh yeah, jackpot. Higgins, secure the back. Waller, you and Biggs take a- Then, it was abruptly quiet. Chris, what happened? Your screen froze and you might cut out. Chris, Chris! Rainy, do you have eyes on Blue Team? Oh shit, move! I shuddered with a shout, then... A ring of fire around the second floor. Debris and glass went flying. The vehicle rocked and fell out of my seat on the impact. We got company. My heart was beating rapidly. Shit, they were waiting for us! That meant Blake and his task force were no longer in control. Through the windshield, I saw several SUVs slide to a stop. Men dressed entirely in black jumped out and opened fire on us. Bullets cracked, but bounced off the bulletproof glass. Down! I couldn't believe what was happening. Another explosion hit close. Oh God! Hang on! The vehicle rocked and my ears were ringing. What just happened? 
The whole vehicle was on its side. There was a fire at one of the consoles above me. Everything was happening in slow motion. I was engulfed in smoke. I felt hands grab me and pull. At first, I thought it was one of the first responders who had me. But then I saw Blake's face emerge from the smoke. We were outside of the vehicle now. I was laying next to another injured agent. We have to get out of here. Rainy, Rainy, you copy? <laughs> Jess, you okay? Uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I think so. Okay, stay here with Damon. I'm gonna help the others. But before he had a chance to even stand, he was knocked out cold by the butt of a gun. <laughs> Two dark figures stood above me. Damon quickly pulled his gun in an effort to retaliate, but it was of no use. He was quickly disarmed, and then, in one quick motion, Damon's throat was slit. Oh, God. The figure put the knife away and took out some kind of cloth. What was this? But then I knew. They put a hood over Blake's head, and I was next. I struggled to get up. I wanted to leave. I wanted to run. But it was no use. The hood came down, and everything went dark. Third Threat is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mandel, Robert Midas, Dan Benamore, Robert M. Lamb, and Jack Austin. Executive produced by Ray and Barbara Chatterton. Adapted by Robert M. Lamb from the screenplay by Jack Snyder and the Third Threat series of books by Barbara Chatterton. The novels are available on Amazon. The link is in the show notes. Starring Gina Coyle as Jess and Jack Austin as Blake. Additional cast credits available in the show notes. Edited, sound designed, and mixed by Andres Coca. Original music by Derlis Gonzalez. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening, and subscribe now for future episodes.